everyone and welcome back to Club Coco Bell Podcasts. I'm Julia and I'm your host as always here every other week. Um, this week we have Hannah Presence. Hannah is a registered yoga tree teacher. She runs retreats and she's just an all-round awesome human being. I met Hannah purely by chance actually. Um, I went to a mutual friends award ceremony that they were running and I just happened to be sitting at the same table as Hannah and I was immediately interested in her vibe and in her outlook in life and just her general aura and how she came across. Um, As I said she's a wonderful human being and she joined me, this was filmed and recorded in last August um, along with her beautiful little dog Ahimsa. So we just talked through life and how we got into certain circumstances and how to manifest certain circumstances to yourself and the power really of mindset and overcoming different um, challenges that come your way through life. I think we're all going through a challenge, very challenging time at the moment. Um, So it was good to um, bring this podcast out now just really to listen to what Hannah said about mindset and how you can change your mindset and really just start to try and focus in the positive Um, I realise it's a really difficult time, as I said, to do that. But um, please feel free if you have any issues or if you want to talk to someone. I know loads of people, professionals that can assist in many areas. I'm more than happy if you want to get in touch with me just to point you in their direction, see if they can help. But please don't um, just think you have to do this alone because you really don't. Um, It's very easy to isolate, especially at this moment in time. But... um, I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're alone because you're not and someone always cares. So please, um, as I said, reach out to me on social media. um, On You can email me at love at clubcocobell.com. But yeah, always here to listen and chances are I always know someone professionally qualified to help you should you need it. Much love everyone and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm here today with Hannah Presence. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really pleased to have you. And we have a special guest today as well, who's being very well behaved, aren't you? Yes. Thanks for having me too. (laughs) Thanks for having us. So Hannah, thank you for joining me today, as I said. Um, You are a yoga teacher, been running your own business for five years now. Um, In addition to running your classes, you also run retreats across the world, which is fantastic. Um, And then also you've got um, a project where you run classes in prisons as well, which is amazing. Yeah. But um, while I think you've already, you've always had like an athletic and maybe a fitness background, I know you did athletics as a child and represented your county. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Hurdles and all sorts. That's so cool. And you also hold the record for like the youngest um, person to swim a mile in Great Britain. Yeah, (laughs) I, I still have that as well. That's really good. Hasn't been beaten yet, as far as I know. Uh, it was really funny, actually, because a number of years after, it was in the paper, um, some uh, a couple of lawyers, their child, um, at five, I think, five and a half, mm-hmm. 
she swam a mile and they contacted but it was all over the papers and my dad being my dad the swimming coach he rang up he's like yep that's wrong my daughter was the youngest one sent everything in and and totally blew their hopes and dreams out the water but yeah so that was the only challenger I think I've had on that one oh no but you so you're four yeah very young four and a half yeah so so, but, so you've always always had that passion, I suppose, for fitness, but you haven't always taught yoga, have you? No. So can you just tell us, like, a bit about how you found your way to yoga, like, so your career, I suppose, since from leaving school, really? Gosh, well, that's a bit of a journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I ended up, after sort of leaving school, because, um, you know, at school I never really know, knew what I wanted to mm-hmm. do. Um, I loved school, but I didn't like it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very good at making myself sit down and study and I wasn't very kind of academic. I was more active mm-hmm. and like doing things and my learning style was was very different from the learning style they kind of put you in at school. Sit down, <laughs> yeah. shut up, <laughs> do this. I'm like the opposite. So yeah, yeah um, I excelled in PE and biology, but everything else I pretty much failed. Mm-hmm. Um, not failed, but, you know, got C's and D's and stuff like that. It wasn't your uh, passion, so therefore you didn't really focus on it. Yeah, you that's fair yeah, enough? yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a kinetic kind of worker, um, a learner, so doing things and, you know, expressing myself through my body and mm-hmm. movement and my my voice. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so then I left school and... Um, I ended up going into sales because obviously I didn't have many qualifications or an idea of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. My dad um, was a sales manager and he worked for many different sales companies and stuff. And he said, well, Hannah, he's like, you know, you can earn lots of money doing sales, but without the qualifications, how does that sound? I was like, well, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, So I got myself a job in selling double glazing, which was, you know the toughest job ever oh my gosh I can imagine yeah so we got put on this five-day training course where they kind of like drill it into you it was a commission only role so self-employed you didn't get a basic um you basically had to go into people's houses sell it to them on the night as well because if you didn't sell it to them there and then the manager used to go and pick it up a few days later and keep it for himself so you were under so much pressure to actually sell Mm -hmm. um and you know my dad being a big kind of hard-nosed salesman that he was he kind of um he worked for a different company but he used to kind of give me little tips and stuff like that okay and you know it really um it really wasn't um I would say it didn't suit my personality mm-hmm. at, at that stage but that was a blessing really because when most people think of oh a double glazing salesperson's going to come to the door they kind of imagine some kind of you know like ex-car salesman yeah. that stinks of fags and mm-hmm. you know gold teeth and all that kind of stuff and so when little old me 18 year old me is at the door like little girl from Cumbria mm-hmm. you could see already like the yeah. The stress kind of leave their body like, oh, this girl's not going to, um, you know, stitch us up kind yeah. of thing. So it kind of actually did work in my favour and I did become quite good at the job. Mm-hmm. Um, within three months, I was top seller in the company. 
Amazing. And um, I got promoted down to London. I was in Hertfordshire at the time. Mm -hmm. So I had an office in, in Harrow, which I helped co-run with the manager. Mm -hmm. So part of my role as um, assistant manager was to train all the new people that had just come off the course. And it just mm -hmm. felt surreal because I'd only come off the course three months ago and I felt like I was still such a rookie, such mm -hmm. a new person in the business. And, yeah, I just took new people out with me and showed them how I... Um, how I dealt with customers mm -hmm. and stuff like that and and it just seemed to work and I used to like taking new people out with me because I would kind of shine a little bit more mm -hmm. you know like if you're kind of not really feeling up to it and you're tired one day and you go and you think oh I'll just skip this bit out and I'll skip this bit out and I'll go straight to that and a lot of the times when you skip bits out of the presentation that's when you end up not selling so I would yeah. do it pitch perfect from start to finish and I would always pretty much sell the uh -huh. product so that was really really good um but yeah it was it was a tough job it was very unsociable hours it was working weekends it was working you know going around people's houses so when they'd finish work so there was mm -hmm. a lot of evenings okay. and you know like 18 19 20 years old it, it just got too much I earned so much money but I used to say to my friends I have no time to spend it no I don't see anyone I don't do anything all I do is work mm -hmm. so I then later went into um you know medical sales and I wanted to be in a, a sales position where people respected yes. the person as mm -hmm. well because, you know, I, I always felt, although I earned a lot of money and, and the job was was a great uh, foundation point for actually the rest of my life, mm -hmm. um, I was always a little bit embarrassed to say what I did. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think some of the most respected people in sales are the, the medical industry. They're the highest paid and they work with doctors and physicians and, you know, so I ended up more going into that field and then into the veterinary sector where I, I was an account manager for, um, you know, for our company for the, for the, a lot of veterinary surgeries and okay. stuff. So I did that mm. for a while as well. But not putting... So going back to the whole double glazing thing, that was that kind of set me up for the rest of my life mm -hmm. in terms of people skills, yes. um, dealing with all different kinds of people, learning the psychology of sales, learning how consumers' mindset works, learning kind of like the... Um, they call it like the, the like the sales curve. So it's like mm -hmm. raising the desire, bringing them back down, yeah. you know, and just all the little sales techniques that actually are transferable to every business. Mm -hmm. um, and I've actually nearly finished my first ebook okay. um, on the set on the business of yoga and how sales um, and how sales and marketing mm -hmm. how that really helps um, with setting up your yoga business mm -hmm. so there's a lot of what I've just said actually in there and lots of little tips and techniques that I learned from the sales courses I've been on and how I've kind of put that into um you know, starting my own business and it is transferable skills, yes. whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and then fast forward a few more years, I'm here with my, the yoga business oh, and amazing. doing little bits here and there. So, yeah, it's good. You're so right. I think, like, you can think, like, with my dad, he kind of got me into banking and that sort of thing. And um, I feel like I was kind of like, not railroaded, but kind of pointed in the direction of a particular career. And obviously, fathers do that with the best intentions. Um, but um, 
and you may look back and think, oh, that probably wasn't, that might not have been the best time, but you're so right, because I've learned so many skills that I can apply to any business, just like you're saying. And um, if you're in business, you have to be in a position to like basically sell yourself. And if you have those skills, then that's amazing. It's a great place to start. Because I think like a lot of people that are creative start with uh, an intention to start a business, but they don't necessarily know how to market themselves. So if you have like a career um, that, where you've had that experience, I think that's really helpful. And from what you're saying, it's really helped you with your yoga yeah. like, to promote your business because like, you're very successful in what you do. You've got, obviously, your classes and you do your retreats as well. Mm. How is it, like, do you have to market that a different way or do you find it's, like, with your retreats, is that, like, a separate, like, clientele that come to that or is it your existing clients that come with you? I just think it's really interesting how everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. and everything I look back on I'm thinking god if I hadn't done that it wouldn't be because of that and I hadn't mm -hmm. done this and retreats always scared the life out of me mm -hmm. and I put them off for as long as possible mm -hmm. you know so first I did the classes first I did privates then I did classes mm -hmm. then I did workshops yeah. you know ooh. <laughs> and and I expanded, expanded. And then, you know, one year I had like four or five of my students like, Hannah, when are you going to do a retreat? Hannah, when are you going to do a retreat? Please do a retreat. <laughs> so I kind of felt a little bit, not pressured into it, mm -hmm. but I just thought, okay, now's the right time. Mm -hmm. I've got to answer the callings. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm such a huge believer in like the law of attraction and yes. the secret. Like I, I use the law of attraction daily mm -hmm. with what I want to do. So I, I kind of put out there and I thought, well, I must, I must start doing retreats. And literally the next day I had an inbox in my, uh, on my Instagram from, um, from Italy. From a, from a guy called Gabriele, mm -hmm. and he uh, he's the manager of uh, Perugia's, one of top, Perugia's top wedding venues, and oh. outside their wedding season, they wanted to expand in doing things like retreats and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So obviously, it was his first kind of thoughts on a retreat, and it was my first kind of thoughts. And at first, I'm thinking, you know, is this too good to be true? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's Instagram, there's a guy messaging me, he's inviting me out to Italy, like... <laughs> You know, yeah. what's going to happen? Exactly. You always have to question yourself. I think as a woman as well, like, Definitely. you know, why is this man asking me to go out to Italy for the weekend? So I just said to happen to say to one of my friends, look, do you fancy a little trip to Italy? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, 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 great. So we uh, we went to Rome, hired a car, spent a few days in Rome, and then we drove up to Perugia where we were invited to stay for a couple of nights, mm -hmm. see the place, and then have a meeting with Gabriella, who was married. He was the most respectful person ever. And I was just like, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, no dodging. <laughs> Yeah. At all, but you have to kind of have that you in the do. back of your mind just to be aware, just in case, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, and we sat down and we I, I just loved the place. Mm. I got on really well with him, our values aligned, our passions aligned, and it was amazing. So and he did all of the work. <laughs> oh brilliant. It was just like, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to do a retreat, it's gonna be so stressful. I manifested the most incredible place with mm -hmm. the most incredible person who put it all together for me. He did all the market research of retreats in the area. He said, like, this is the kind of the price I think we should go at with this and that. Let me know how much you want for the yoga. And, and it just worked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my first retreat sold out in less than two weeks. Um, and then the retreat after that sold out. So we did last year, the year before. The year before sold out in two weeks. Last year sold out in less than two weeks. This year, um, I've got a couple more spaces left. Yep. 
um, and the ten we had seventeen last this year, mm -hmm. and ten out of the seventeen have already signed up for next year. So I haven't been too like pushing it too much. I've been a bit more relaxed about it. Yeah. But yeah, it just kind of it just happens. So, in answer to your question, actually all of my retreat clients are the people that come to my class in my workshop. Amazing. So if I hadn't have spent that time building that up, mm -hmm. I could have had a retreat that wasn't successful or I couldn't fill it or something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I probably would have been a bit more proactive with putting it on retreat sites and, and mm -hmm. spreading it around and paying for advertising, but I've not had to do any of that. I just mention it in my classes. Yes. People signed up, people loved it last year. Then I've got people's um, husbands coming, sister-in-laws, best friends. Mm -hmm. So it's starting to, I pretty much know most people that come, but they'll invite a friend or a daughter or this or that and it's just kind of been really organic i think that's the best way to grow isn't it yeah. like because i don't think in in the age where there's so much social media people are more aware when they're being sort of like sold to or advertised to and like a personal word of mouth recommendation <clears throat> you can't beat that no now. no and that's so important mm. so you said obviously just something i picked up on what you said about the law of attraction and mm. how you attracted it into your life is that something that you've always been aware of from a young age or is it something that you discovered and you've grown into? Such an amazing story. Mm. I, um, I used to be really unlucky, actually. I would be the person at school that, like, never win a competition or a raffle or literally I was always so unlucky. And being a Capricorn, you know, mm -hmm. born in the winter, I think we are naturally, Earth people um, are naturally quite pessimistic. So we think yeah. of the worst before we think of the best. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was. And I remember... Um, going out to see my older sister, I have a half-sister, and she lived in L.A. at mm -hmm. the time. I hadn't seen her for many years, and I went out there when I was 21. The and flies um, back. Flies back. <laughs> and I remember I was... Yeah, well, she was quite chilled. I was a little bit bored one day and I was just sitting up on her balcony and she brought me the book that, it's on your leg, brought me the book that, that um, <laughs> she'd been telling me about for ages. Mm. Um, and I, I wasn't really a reader. Mm -hmm. I am a little bit more of a reader now, but I have to be really into it. I couldn't okay. go and read a storybook that someone's made up. I can't no. do all, is it fiction and fiction, stuff? Yeah. I can't do all that. Mm -hmm. I don't relate to made up no. stuff. I want to know like documentaries and raw and, mm -hmm. you know, experiences and stuff. So she put this book, The Secret, on my lap. And um, I kind of looked for your cuts and thought, oh, secret to money, let's have a look at that. And I went to the, um, to the chapter and I started reading it. I was just hooked. Yeah. I was just like, wow. Um, because some of, it, some of it really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. um, and it just excited me. Yeah. And I just read the rest of it. And um, I absolutely loved it. And then I started from the age of 21, 22, I think it was 22, to work with the law of attraction. And in fact, I hadn't really read a book before The Secret since probably school. Mm -hmm. And I read it, and I've probably read The Secret now, I'd say 12 times at least. Okay. And I went home and I got the DVD, I got all the CDs, I had the CDs in my car, I listened to them everywhere I drove, I'd listened to the book, the book watch, um, read the book, it was by my bed, it was always in my bag. Mm -hmm. um, and I literally, it was my Bible, mm -hmm. um, and it completely transformed my life, completely. Okay. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am, who I am, without, without that book, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
um, it's 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 been probably one of the best best things I've actually come into contact with. Um, so yeah, it's just so amazing. It is. Yeah. And I think like there is there we are all energetic beings, mm. and the energy that you have, and especially what you give out, and mm. like in terms of the law of attraction, that is huge. Mm. And it's only when you start to become like conscious of it, I mm. think, that you start to think, oh my gosh, like this has actually played a huge part in my life. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you're right. It happens all the time. Like with the prison, you know, I didn't have to do anything with that. Mm -hmm. I was on my teacher training in Thailand, and one of our teachers, a guy called Rory, big Scottish guy, long hair, proper, mm -hmm. like, and I remember him telling us about his journey as a teacher and he said oh as a part of his karma yoga mm -hmm. he went and worked in a man's prison in edinburgh okay. and instantly a light bulb went off in my head and i was like that drives me that mm -hmm. is what i want to do mm -hmm. you know as much as i love my yummy mummies and yeah. my little group classes and stuff actually like yeah that's exciting yes. that's like cool like mm -hmm. i instantly thought that is definitely somewhere right i'm gonna go and, you know, kept that thought there, but hadn't really pursued it. Didn't have the first clue of how I was ever going to get into a prison. Mm -hmm. And anyway, ended up meeting a woman doing a retreat day for her. She does mindfulness and mm -hmm. she asked me to come and teach a yoga class on her day retreat just to get them all moving. Because mindfulness can be a lot of sitting and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I went and did that with her. Her clients absolutely loved it. We stayed in touch. And I just randomly, six months later, had a call from her saying, oh, Hannah, I'm taking my mindfulness course into prisons would you at all be interested in working to a prison? And suddenly I remembered that manifestation I'd put out there like two years, well, a year and a half before. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yes. Mm -hmm. And it just come through again. Yeah. So I've been super lucky in my business. Like, I have really worked good. hard, yes. but I'm not going to lie. Stuff mm -hmm. has just fallen into my lap, That's like amazing. completely. Retreats people, contacts, the prison, all the stuff that I love to do, mm -hmm. I haven't really had to actively go out too much myself and get it. I've just believed in what I wanted to do. I've mm -hmm. been open to every single person and opportunity that's come and I've kind of explored that because I think that's one of the things that we need to do is when these little nuggets come forward, rather mm -hmm. than kind of being in the blinkers and think, oh, that's yeah. not what I want... If it's that's a person that could introduce you to another person that could then get you, you got. It's always about being open, and you know, like when you said before about yeah. your plans in the future yes. of a venue and stuff. Yeah. Instantly, I thought that could be something. And exactly, being open, I think, is one of the things um, that you need to be for the law of attraction. Is just mm -hmm. kind of look at everything as an opportunity. Um, but yeah, absolutely, everybody should. It should be taught in schools. I know it should be taught because. Mm. It gives you, it teaches you mindfulness without Definitely. even realising because I realised <clears throat> how negative my thoughts were or how much I was like, oh, that will never happen to me and this will never happen. And suddenly after reading this, oh, I can't think that. Yeah. That might happen if I think that. You know, yeah. and then you start to switch your thinking around mm -hmm. and then you start to notice your life changing. Definitely. It is, it is crazy. And like you say, like, 
if you, I think you can be like mindfully and attract stuff to you mm. and you can be very goal focused. And mm. like you say, if you're very blinkered and you're focusing on just the goal and you have a set plan, yes, obviously plan and structure your day and everything to get to where you want to be and take action because that's hugely important. But at the same time, don't be oblivious to the stuff coming out of left field. Yeah. Like the opportunities. It's always the little weird ones. You think, oh, I didn't see that coming. And it just yeah. gets really exciting because you just like, yeah, you know, it was just amazing. Um, yeah, so all for the law of attraction. That's really good. And the secret and everything. Um, I've been doing an online one recently, actually, with an American um, abundance kind of expert. Mm -hmm. um, so a few little... Um, online seminars and stuff so that's been really interesting as well because yeah just about having um blocks um like beliefs for instance so I noticed one of the things I did notice actually towards just recently I would say is um the struggle of being spiritual mm -hmm. but also wanting to be successful yeah mm -hmm. because when you become a yoga teacher it's like oh you know you shouldn't have anything designer and you should practice non-attachment and you shouldn't want money because you should just be happy with who you are and you don't need money and money is the root of all evil. And I went from being like, I want to be successful and have a great business and this and this and this to mm -hmm. kind of like being around people that... And it was and it's my responsibility because it was my feeling, but I started to feel guilty mm. for wanting <laughs> these kind of exterior things. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, and took <clears throat> on a lot of these beliefs about... Um, you know, uh, money and success and only evil people had success and blah, 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 blah. And to be a good yoga teacher, I should have nothing and give everything with love. And I did actually start to notice, you know, my, my wages went down, my luck went down and stuff like that. So revisiting this and actually, she's a very, very spiritual woman, but saying that, you know, these these blocks, these, these thought patterns that come in that mm -hmm. just stories that you digest and they become yeah. part of you mm -hmm. aren't you know there are other people's truths they don't have yeah. to be your truths and you can be successful and you can be spiritual and you can have abundance and we are put on this earth to have everything that we want mm -hmm. um and we shouldn't be ashamed of that and I, I did become a little bit ashamed of wanting to earn a lot of money mm -hmm. and stuff like that so I'm, I'm letting go of that one now and That's things are starting to fall back into place so amazing yeah but you, I feel that like sometimes like I think about the yoga community and what I like see from the outside it's very interesting how they're very obviously at the core is like mindfulness and soul and everything but at the same time they're like you have to do things a certain way so you're not allowed the freedom of like expression to be yourself like I th and I think that you're right we're all here we're all on our own individual journeys and we shouldn't like have the like that particular way sort of put on us if you want to have designer stuff and you also want to be um, mindful and yoga they, they, there is a middle ground you don't have to be one or an another mm. I think as humans people especially like when it comes to people's personalities like we were saying earlier about the people in the prisons people like and how they've just they've most of them have like come through bad circumstances or prison has been the norm in their lives it's um People want to categorise people in terms of this is a good person, this is a bad person. They like definites and people in, and things in boxes. But 
you, life's not like that at all. Yeah. And it's very sort of fluid and you can pick bits and pieces of different like um, yoga way, other bits and, and lifestyles that you like to make your experience as a human. Yeah. Not being sort of like put in one particular category. It's really amazing you've said that actually because I wrote a post on my Instagram about it last night. I don't know if you no, saw it. No, I haven't it. seen it. <laughs> it's all about the boxes and mm. the labels and yes I wanted to be the best yoga teacher I could be and mm -hmm. I wanted to influence people in all the right ways and I, I you know and I was I suppose naive to a certain extent you know I was 26 27 mm -hmm. and I wanted to do everything right and I think um you know sort of fell into um the model of of what people would call the right yoga teacher and but then you know and I thought that would make me bring me eternal happiness because yogic way is the way of peace and happiness but actually I felt like there was parts of myself that um I did kind of suppress and it did ultimately end up making me unhappy yeah so mm -hmm. actually the post that I wrote about last night was recently I've kind of been stripping away all of the labels that other people had put on me that I digested myself that I had also put on myself mm -hmm. you know the vegetarian the vegan the yoga teacher the the dog owner the this the business person mm -hmm. actually I was just like I've just had this real need to just strip it all away mm -hmm. and actually re-explore my values now mm -hmm. and what makes me happy and actually there's something really freeing about just just getting rid of all the labels yeah um you know because even things with like veg veganism, vegetarianism, it's 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 really really kind of um, recommended that you are vegan and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand why it's so good for the planet and mm -hmm. it's so loving. And my dog's name, Ahimsa, is the first yama of yoga, which means kindness and sensitivity to all living things. Yeah. And if you're eating meat, you are not have giving kindness and sensitivity to all mm -hmm. living things. So the number one thing is that first thing. So it was kind of like, I felt this huge pressure mm -hmm. to become vegan and vegetarian. Mm. And I did it for a number of years, but I became so ill. Um, I had no, um, no energy. Like I, days where I couldn't get off the sofa, I was falling asleep. Um, it, I had a B12 deficiency. And as much as I was taking the B12 tablets and stuff, mm -hmm. it just wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And I had these really low mood swings. Mm -hmm. So then I went back to being vegetarian and then I had a little bit of fish here and there and I just instantly felt so much better. Mm -hmm. and then fast forward a couple more years, um, my body just wasn't recovering. I was okay. teaching a class. Mm -hmm. Next day I was sore. I had constant DOMS. So like, you know when you go into yeah. the gym and you're on a really mm -hmm. hard workout and you ache? Mm -hmm. I was aching constantly. And then I decided to, to start eating a little bit of meat, uh, maybe once a fortnight and instantly I don't ache anymore at all now. Like I'll ache if I do something like really unusual for my body, mm -hmm. but it would become like for a whole year, I just ached, my joints ached, my muscles ached. I wasn't recovering from anything that I was doing. Mm -hmm. But the guilt I had inside, like I'd be eating this chicken, like, oh no, is anyone gonna see me? Like Hannah, the yoga teacher's eating meat. And it was just so much pressure. Mm -hmm. Like, it really was. Like, I didn't take any of my designer bags out with me. I'd be eating totally vegan in public, but, like, 
you know, I'm feeling awful for having a burger and stuff because mm -hmm. I wanted to, to be this person that is expected of me. And mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, this is just making me so unhappy yeah. and mm -hmm. unhealthy and resentful in a way. So I had to really, it was a tough decision. I really had to kind of strip everything back yeah. and almost not care what people think. And yeah. I think that's, you know, again, they always say you shouldn't yeah. care what anyone else thinks. Um, and yeah, it's totally freeing. That's amazing. So yeah. how do you like go, how, where do you, said you're obviously stripping back on the labels and everything. Mm. Where, if you had to give advice to someone who was looking to do the same, where would you, what, how do you go about practically doing that? What advice would you give them? Well, start with all the things that you're most attached to. Mm -hmm. So I was actually telling someone the other day, cause she was like, oh, your hair used to be really short, didn't it? And about two years ago, I cut all my hair off. Because mm -hmm. when I was at school, I used to have really, one one summer holidays, I cut all my hair off because my mum's best friend was a hairdresser and she cut it all off and I had it spiky and I used to put glitter in it and clips. I used to think I looked like a pop star and I yeah. loved my hair. Yeah. And then I went to school and got massively bullied because I was the only girl that had a short haircut. Okay. So I got called all sorts of names. So then I developed this um, belief that to be feminine, you have to have long hair. Mm -hmm. So then as soon as I had enough money, Himsa, come here. As soon as I, come here. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I had enough money, I got hair extensions. Yes. And I had hair extensions for the best part of 10, oh, sorry, 10, 12 years. Like the yeah. longer, the better. If you mm. see some of my photos, it's like down to my bum. You really? Know? Yeah, because I, I was just absolutely traumatized from trying to be individual and loving mm -hmm. who I was with my short hair to being told that was completely wrong. And, you know, so I had this, and. I soon realised that I was really attached to my hair extensions. Mm -hmm. I couldn't not have them in. And I was like, and then I sort of explored, like, where does this come from? Why do I feel like I have to have long hair to be seen as feminine? And then I kind of reflected on it and I went back to that position, that situation. I was like, gosh, that's where it's from. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be controlled by that anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have other people's beliefs on me control me. So I, um, and... I said to my boyfriend at the time, I was like, I really want to cut my hair off. He's like, you cut all your hair off, I'm not going to be with you. And me being me, I'm like, right, that's it. Next day I was in that hairdresser's, yeah. cut it all off. And I felt so feminine. Yeah. And I just owned it and I yeah. loved it. And I, and I will go short again, but mm -hmm. it was asymmetric. So I had one side short and one side long. It was awful for tying it up for yoga. Yeah. So this is, this is like kind of longish for what it yeah. was like before, but it's good because I can tie it up. Mm -hmm. But um, it was just so freeing to get rid of those extensions, all of those old beliefs, all of that kind of energy tied up with other people mm -hmm. and the past as well that kind of um, damaged me. Mm -hmm to step into who I am and feel really womanly with mm -hmm. a boy's haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak, or not a boy's haircut. No, exactly. <laughs> Another woman's haircut. So something like that, that was quite an extreme case. Yeah. But looking at the things that define you, like mm -hmm. I'm a vegan, I'm an Arsenal supporter, I'm a this, I'm a that. All these things, these egoic things that we mm -hmm. uh, we um, define ourselves yeah. with, these are our definitions, but these are also our restrictions mm -hmm. and our boxes. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're an Arsenal supporter and you get one of your Chelsea friends offers you that opportunity of a lifetime to go into one of the boxes, but you're like, because you've put yourself in that position, you're like, oh, no, no, I can't. You know, but inside yeah. you might actually really want to. Exactly. So all of these things, like, you know, 
all, all of these things that you find define yourself, just, just explore them a little bit mm -hmm. and just think, well, where's that come from? Mm -hmm. Is that what my parents have put on me? Yeah. Is that what the bullies at school have put on me? Mm -hmm. Is that what an ex-boyfriend has put on me? And it's all about kind of shedding light on where these beliefs come from. Mm -hmm. And are they still serving you? Yes. You know? It may be that they served you for a particular yeah. time and now it's time for you to evolve and move on. Yeah, it was a defence yeah. mechanism, it protected you, it worked, yeah. mm -hmm. it defined you at that time when yeah. maybe you needed some guidance, you know, mm -hmm. from our fathers going to this job. But actually, yeah. once we then step into ourselves and who we are, then we can learn that, ah, oh, that's a bit outdated now, or I don't need to believe that, or... I like to just, anything that kind of makes me feel scared, mm -hmm. I think is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So it felt really scary yeah. cutting all my hair off. Yeah. It felt really scary leaving my business for a couple of months. Yeah. I might come back to no business, but you know what? That's fine. Mm -hmm. I think it's those things that scare you the most. It's like the old cliche quote, things that scare you the most are the ones you need to do the most. And yeah. actually I think that's, that's where the power yeah, lies. Definitely. Mm. So talking of scary things, like, have, can you talk to me about like a, a really challenging time in your life and how you've managed to get through that and mm. what you've used to get through that? What's got you through it, really? Yeah, gosh, mm. yeah. 2000, end of 2013, early 2014 was mm. my hardest ever time. Mm -hmm. So I was working, I had an awful job in medical sales, but I was actually selling cosmetic surgery. So okay. I worked in... Um, on Harley Street for Transform. Mm -hmm. Probably shouldn't say actually who I worked for, but yeah, don't go with By them. another company that is in Harley Street. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so then I, I was working there. It was a really soul-destroying job, actually. Completely soul-destroying. Um, and I was in a really toxic relationship with a guy that I loved so much. Like, mm -hmm. so, so much. And um, so, yeah, I got kicked out of this job really horribly, really aggressively. He just basically came up to my office after being like top seller for the last few weeks. Mm. And he's like, you need to just leave. Don't say goodbye to your friends, just go. Um, and it wasn't until a few weeks after I realized that the, the office was failing and they needed to make redundancies and stuff. So rather than do that, they kind of just like, tried to make up a reason to let go of you. Mm -hmm. And I was naive. I could have gone to court and stuff like yeah. that. And But I was just so, like, traumatised from the thing. I just wanted to get away from them. Mm -hmm. um, and then two weeks later, I broke up with the guy. And I, it was really, really toxic. And I thought I was going to marry him. And he ended up getting back with his ex. And it just tore my heart out. So I had no job. Mm -hmm. No boyfriend slash fiance slash thought he was my everything future mm -hmm. husband everything and then two weeks after that my dad passed away so it was like i don't have a job i don't have a husband don't have a dad mm -hmm. literally i didn't have i felt like i had nothing mm -hmm. um and yeah i was just like completely empty yeah But it was like, at that time, it's like, do you, do you give up or mm. do you carry on? Yeah. And it's like everyone says, you know, the people that find spirituality is usually because of a trauma or they've got to the point where they're like, right, I need to give up. Mm -hmm. I can't carry on. Yeah. 
and you're kind of flirting with ideas of not being here anymore and stuff like that. Mm. And you suddenly find like this strength mm -hmm. and having, you know, supportive people around you, good friends, people that kind of get you out of the house. And it was actually an ex-boyfriend from before came and stayed with me for two weeks because he was like really worried about me. Mm -hmm. And he just came and stayed around my house and we went to the pub and he's like, got out a bit of paper and he's like, right, let's do all of the things to get hands back to hands, because he used to call me hands. And he's like, right, right, all the things that I used to love. He's like, right, you need to do this. We need to listen to that music. You need to go to that place that you really like. And he just kind of wrote out all these things. Mm. Can't remember if I did most of them or not, but it's just slowly, slowly building yourself mm -hmm. back up. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't even say I got into yoga and it saved me or anything because no. it just wasn't the case. Like, I, no. I, I started to find work. I found a new job. Mm -hmm. That ended up being a really great job with really great people. Um, I slowly got over the toxic relationship mm -hmm. with a bit of therapy and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I had a tough time selling my dad's house and clearing out all of the stuff because I was on my own because my other sisters lived abroad so I kind of was in that house on my own doing it all on my own mm. um and then like I said to you earlier like when the when the house sold we had like a little bit of money each split between us because he had quite a big mortgage and the five grand that I had I put three towards my yoga teacher training mm -hmm. and then the two towards you know venues bought all my yoga mats bought my website so everything just went into creating this new future. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just time's a great healer. Mindfulness, meditation. Mm. Yeah, just, I don't really know how I did it. I can't even remember it. It's like such a blur, I think. I was in a lot of shock and trauma and stuff. And you kind of just, I don't know if you block things out or... Yeah, it's just, it seems so far, it seems such, such a long time ago. Mm. But it's really, really weird because I went from 2013, it was kind of like, it was, it happened between um, October and January. So it was very, the end of the year, beginning of the next year. So that was obviously, let's say 2013 was my worst ever year. Mm. 2015 was my best ever year to date. Really? So that's such a big turnaround. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I went and did my teacher training. I didn't tell anyone I was doing it because I didn't think I'd be able to pass. Didn't think I was going to be good enough. Didn't think I'd be able to hack the course, you know. I'm yeah. not a morning person. We'd be, we had to be up at half four. We were doing cleansing techniques at five. We did two and a half hours of yoga from 5.30 to seven. Mm -hmm. um, then we did an hour of breathing. Then we had breakfast at like 9.30, 10. I just looked at the schedule vegan I was oh my god I eat meat like three times a day that was my biggest fear yeah would I even be able to survive um mm. so went off and did it and ended up being the only person that didn't miss a class out of the whole course most people injured themselves or got sick or had a mm -hmm. bit of a meltdown and stuff um ended up going to every single class and actually one of my teachers came up to me at the end and they were very, very fair between all of us. But he said to me at the end, he's like, oh, I really had a, like, not a soft spot, 
because he was married, but you were like one of my favourites. Yeah. Not many people have said that to me before because I'm a little bit like Marmite. Yeah. <laughs> Tend to rub people up the wrong way a lot. So for one of my teachers to come and say that to me, I was just like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So then I came back, built up my business, and yeah, those traumatic times seem like a long time ago. Obviously, they're still there because they still yeah, affect course. me, but yeah. It's, yeah, I can't even imagine what that's like. Mm. It must be so. It is tough, but you know what, actually, like, I have a lot of private clients. I had one recently who's, you know, an older guy. Mm -hmm. and he's just gone through a divorce and his mum passed away. And he's there and he's telling me all this stuff. And he's probably like, oh, you know, you probably can't relate. And, you know, I listened to him and I smiled and I said, you know what, I've been through exactly the same thing as you. And I told mm -hmm. him and it was exactly the same circumstances. It's just he's 50 and I was 25, mm -hmm. 24 when it happened. So in a way, it has made me more empathetic, mm -hmm. compassionate towards people um, that are going through the same thing. And maybe I can offer little nuggets of advice that mm -hmm. might help someone. Um, but yeah, I think when you go through these things when you're younger, it, it does kind of build up some sort of resilience. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I just think if I can get through that, mm -hmm. I can get through anything. So nothing phases me too much now, mm -hmm. really at all, nothing. That was the worst thing ever. Mm. So I, I can't imagine anything moving forward would be too much more traumatic than that. No. So, yeah. And so that was, thank you so much for sharing that. That's Sorry. really, I really appreciate that because it, it sounds awful. And I'm so pleased that you made it through and you've, you've, you've come to be here today and Thank you're you. like sharing this amazing like um advice and everything because there'll be people that you will touch and it's it, you've got such a great gift and it's really important that you share that with Thank people you. if people want to find out more about you and get some advice from you where can they reach out to you um well firstly i'd just like to say that i'm not trained in counseling no. or anything like that so i think we do have to be careful um with the advice that we give to people mm -hmm. because my advice might not be um therapeutically sound no. or or whatever um but i can just give people the things that I did, mm -hmm. um, it might work for them, it might not. But I mean, people can contact me on Instagram or mm -hmm. email and stuff like that. But I, I do think um, professional advice yes. is the best way mm -hmm. to go. Um, but obviously I'm always here to help or listen or anything like that but um and if they want to follow your journey and get daily inspiration and more know like know more about your retreats and classes yeah where would they where is oh best my to website yeah. probably yeah, yeah through my website my mm -hmm. email just hannahpresenceyoga.com um hannahpresence at yahoo.co.uk um, it's on there. I'm terrible at updating my website, to be <laughs> fair. You're better off being on my Instagram, <laughs> but um, with daily updates. But yeah, 
Um, I will be more proactive on updating my website and stuff like that. And what's your Instagram? At Hannah Presence. Perfect. Yeah. I'll be sure to put it in the comments so people can find you. Thank you. Thank you good. so much for coming. Thank you and for th having me. Thank, thank you for having us. You've been so good. Look at you. She's you. good. Oh, I was goodness. like, oh, maybe I won't cry today. And yeah. then, oh, God, it always creeps up when you're like, Arr. And that's, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. It's like, it's, it, yeah, yeah. Like I said, obviously, really traumatic. So. Yeah. yeah. Emotions, all my emotions are good. So, thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you. Thanks. I hope it's been a little bit of value anyway no, to you. Completely. I can't wait to see the. Yeah. I will link you up in the finished product. Good. Thank you. All right, shall we love you and leave you then? She's like, yes, yeah, let's go, Mum. Enough <laughs> of this. Thanks for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed the show. As always, if you've got any comments, please do get in touch on our social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed the show, do feel free to just leave us a review on your normal podcast listening platform. I will look forward to seeing you again in two weeks time and stay safe and lots of love as always. And I'll speak to you soon. Mwah.